0: praise the Lord we're continuing our study through the book of Acts as we continue that study we remember last week we discussed Acts 15 the Jerusalem Council issues were debated and James who was the leader of that council he made a ruling after a big heated discussion and as we see today those type of discussions while not common did occasionally happen now by discussion I would maybe use the word argument Anybody argue with anybody? No? Christians, we don't argue? Good. And even through those, quote, discussions, God can still work. How many know that? And in spite of what happens, God can still work. Now we're back in Acts. The disciples have left. And they're getting ready to leave. In verse 36, it says, Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. So the council was over. James made his big decision. Letters were sent detailing what was going to happen. And now, the Bible says it was some time later. and We don't know how long that is, but it does indicate that now it's something new that's going to happen. That part was over. The council was over. Decision was made. Letters were sent out. Now this is a new start, a new chapter in what Paul was going to do. In other words, what was taught at the council, Paul and Barnabas were now about to set off and continue that in the new churches or the churches they were been at. Now, look at what Paul thought was going to happen. His plan was to go back and visit the places where he was, where he had started churches. He wanted to go back and see how they're doing. He had planned on it being, I get to meet and greet the old folks. But God had a different plan for this, because as you read on, this actually is the beginning of his second missionary journey. It was going to be a new outreach, a new evangelistic event, not what Paul had thought was going to happen. You ever start something? You're really sure of what God's doing, and then halfway down you take a dog leg, and you're doing something totally different you never thought you would do, but you got there because you started out doing what you thought God wanted you to do. That's exactly what happened with Paul. We don't know if it was his desire to visit the old churches was what God wanted to begin with. But God used that to bring him about to where he needed to be. And sometimes God, and I've said this to the teens, whatever choices we make in life have determined who we are today. But every choice we make, God has the ability to bring that choice back around to where he wants you to be if you're listening to it. And that's exactly what happened with Paul. He started out looking to go to these churches, but along the way, God just Kind of redirected him to where he needed to be. You know, I never thought about this until I was putting this together. Sometimes in our desire to do God's will, we may choose our own will, thinking it's God's will. You ever do that? You ever set out and do something that you you were convinced was God's will? But you find out maybe it was your will. Now, I've, I've used this e- equation or this example before with children. Say you have young children, and they really want to do something to please you. And they've set their heart on, they're doing something that's great. And in the process, they really mess something up bad. <laughs> Spill paint, whatever it might be. And you know that their heart's desire was to do something for you. What is your reaction to them doing Making the mistake. Do you instantly crush them for doing it? Or do you understand the heart behind it and you forgive them and you, you accept whatever they've done and you get them on a different course? And I believe that's what God does with us. When we make choices that we really think are God's will, we're praying about it, and we make a wrong choice. God's not out there waiting to crush you for making that wrong choice. God's out there to lovingly bring you back to the place you need to be. God can redirect you. No matter where you are, God can put you back to where you need to be. Verse 37 and 38, Barnabas uh, wanted to talk to John, also called Mark with him. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and did not continue with them in the work. What do we have here? We have a disagreement between two godly men. Now let's look at some of the background of John Mark. Mark was Barnabas' cousin. So he had that, you know, family thing going on. Colossians 4.10 says, my fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. So naturally Barnabas is going to encourage him. He's going to stick up for him. In fact, Barnabas's name, his nickname was what? Son of Encouragement. Barnabas was the guy who was always wanting to give a second chance. He was more gracious and loving in his personality. He was one of those guys you wanted to be around. (coughs) Paul, not so much. Paul was kind of a matter of fact. Paul ditched him, or Mark ditched him, and so Paul was done with him. Acts 13, 13 says, Now Paul and those left with him left Pamphilus by ship for Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Perga, there, John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. So the two of them left. Mark ditches him and goes back home. <coughs> and Paul is kind of left holding the bag. So you can understand Paul's reluctance about taking Mark again. For me once, shame on you. For me twice, shame on me. So I can see his reluctance in that. He wanted someone who was going to be faithful, someone he could count on. But he wasn't trusting Mark to be that guy So who was right? Both and neither The point is good and godly people can and will disagree on non doctrinal things in God's kingdom. How many realize that? Just agree on everything. It's inevitable Every person has their own personality their own idiosyncrasies their own likes and dislikes their own History of how they were raised, everyone's going to have a different viewpoint on things that obviously are not doctrinal. Paul's viewpoint was, nope, family, once you're out. Barnabas was, come on, give him a second chance, give him a third chance. (coughs) Neither of which is wrong, it's just who we are. Good and godly people can sometimes get into heated arguments. Not, Not here. The church down the road, <laughs> good and godly people can get into heated arguments. We just have to be careful that our arguments don't descend into sin while we're doing it. Verse 39 says, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. There's going to be times when styles and personalities and any secrecies don't jive with one another. And maybe you part company. Maybe you don't hang out. And I'll give you a good example. We're a Pentecostal church. People like the style of a Pentecostal church they like the freedom, the exuberance, the music, the freedom to move and raise your hands and all that. There are other people equally love God who don't like that style. And you know what? That's okay. You have disagreements on it, you just agree to not agree. On those things and that's exactly what was happening with Paul and Barnabas they agreed to disagree and what happened Paul was thinking and Paul's thinking about believers was this what can they do for God's work Barnabas thinking was a little bit different his was what can God's work do for them in actuality both questions are equally valid for us Christians In other words, we're part of God's family, we're part of God's kingdom, God's church. What can I do for God's work? What can I do to facilitate God's work? And the second part of that is, as I'm doing that, what can God's work do for me? How many of you have ever been involved in any type of ministry, and in that involvement you have been blessed as a leader in that ministry? You've done the work, you've taught whatever it might be, and you are equally as blessed as the people you are doing it for. What can God's work do for me? And how can I do, what can I do for God's work? Now when they, when they use the word disagreement in verse 39, disagreement is a neutral word. It does not indicate one side or the other. It's just basically they disagreed and we're not taking sides. And the text that they use doesn't indicate either way. Of who was right and who was wrong. So I believe that even good people can disagree on things. Neither of them right, neither of them wrong. It's just a disagreement that they have personal convictions about. And then God can use that as we're going to see. God used that disagreement to double his workers. Verse 39 says, Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus... Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So what happens? You have one missionary team. Now you have two missionary teams. You see how God used that? God used the disagreement amongst brothers to facilitate two tracks of ministry. God changes workmen, but God's work still continues. You know, a couple years ago, we celebrated 75 years here. And the people that started God's work here 75 years ago, most of them are not here anymore. But God's work continues. The workmen change, the work goes on. And the minute we think that any ministry or work depends on one person, then we're discounting God's work. It becomes now my work rather than God's work. Warren Wearsby says this. If God had to depend on perfect people to accomplish his work, he'd never get anything done. Our limitations and imperfections are good reasons for us to depend upon the grace of God. How many here it? anybody perfect? I've got one hand there, okay. That's you. That's exactly what I was thinking. But see, the point is, none of us are Perfect. And in fact, I would venture to say that most of us are miles from being perfect. But you know what? God still uses imperfect people to do his perfect work. And we know that as time goes on, God changes Paul's heart towards Mark. Philemon 23, Paul writes, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings, as do Mark Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, what? My fellow workers. So Paul's beginning to mellow out a little bit. He realizes they can work together. 2 Timothy 4.11, it says, Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. Why? Because he is helpful to me in my ministry. You know why? Because Mark was able to prove himself. He had the second chance. Barnabas gave him the second chance. If he had not had that opportunity, Mark might have just faded away. He might never have been used again. He might have just backslid. We don't know. But because he had a second chance, he was able to prove himself. One failure or multiple failures does not define who you are. Just because you blow it big one time or many times many times God always has a second and third and fourth opportunity one setback doesn't necessarily get us out of the game mark got a second chance but he also worked very hard at it when he got the second chance Paul says he was helpful to me in my ministry now mark had to show himself he had to prove and do the ministry work he had to work in such a way that Paul was able to see the difference. When we're afforded a second chance, we just don't sit back and take it and accept it. Once we have the second chance, you want to prove yourself. You want to be able to get out there and do what God's called you to do. Don't let that failure define who you are. Start as if it was brand new and put the work in, which is what Mark had to do. Be faithful to the work that God has sent you to. And the people that need to know will going to be made aware. We don't all need to see it, but God is going to make sure that the people who need to see what God's doing is going to see it. Paul, even though they went separate ways, guess what? Paul still found out how Mark was doing, so much so that Mark was now beneficial in helping support Paul's ministry. God allowed Paul to see how Mark was changing. So the argument is ended. The teams were established, and each went their own way. And we now begin to follow the team of Paul and Silas. You don't hear much about the other two. It doesn't mean they weren't doing God's work. God just focused on Paul and Silas here. In chapter 16, verse 1, it says, He came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. So we have here probably your first example, at least in the New Testament, of someone who is unequally yoked. We talked about that. ad ad nauseum, probably, about marrying someone or being in a relationship with someone who does not share the same values that you do. And how do we know that this is a conflict? Well, in Jewish law, children always followed the mother's faith. In Gentile or Greek law, they followed the father's. So in this case, Timothy did not or was not circumcised. He did not follow the Jewish tradition he followed his father's tradition. In marriages, when there's one believer and one not, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be an issue at some point in some relationship where you don't agree on something. Now, we all have that, even in Christian marriages. But the difference is going to be in a non, you know, an unequally yoked relationship, it's going to be a spiritual issue a definite decision to do what God tells you to do or not do. And one of two things is going to happen when that, that occurs. Either the believer stands up and demands their own way, demands what God wants to do. And if that happens, I usually live in a contentious home. Or the second thing that's going to happen and usually does is the believer gives in in order to keep the peace. And what happens is you slowly begin to back away from your relationship with Christ. You begin to back away from church stuff because you just want to keep the peace. And Tim, Timothy's mom, it seems like that she had given up at that point to keep the peace because she didn't demand that he was circumcised. Acts 16.2 says, The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. So Timothy had a good reputation even amongst the people in the town. And it says, Paul wanted to take him along along with him on his journey. So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew his father was a Greek. Now let's just stop right there for a moment. (laughs) Timothy is an adult. He had to get circumcised to do God's work. Not a joyful Thing to happen. No anesthesia, no comfort, no surgical instruments. We read that verse kind of quickly, but do we understand what it costs Timothy to do what God is called to do and to not be a stumbling block? Remember, we, we talked last week about circumcision not being required. To be saved. That was last week. So what's Paul doing circumcising him? It wasn't to save him. It wasn't a part of being salvation. It was because he was going to now minister to Jewish people, and it was not going to, he didn't want him to be a stumbling block. If the Jewish believers saw him or potential believers saw him and said, wait a minute, wait a minute, he's not circumcised. We don't, we don't, that's a stumbling block for me. Now another question pops into my mind, How do they know? (laughs) He's going to minister to Jewish people. You know, how do they know? I'm guessing he doesn't preach naked. I'm guessing there's no comparison. I just don't know how they knew. Maybe they go to a sauna. I don't know. But what he did is he, he endured the pain in order to not be a stumbling block to the people to whom he was going to minister. Which begs the question, what are we willing to do or not do or give up in order to not be a stumbling block to the people we may minister to? We all have freedom in Christ. So much we have freedom to do as Christian believers. But there's so many things that we are allowed to do that may be harmful, a stumbling block, a question mark in other people's lives. What are we willing to give up our freedoms for in order to be better equipped to be used by God? 1 Corinthians 8, 9 says, Be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. With Timothy, the conversation would go from Christ to, hey, how come you're not circumcised? Again, how they know. But what happens is now the conversation goes down a different path, and it takes it away from Christ, and it becomes now a block, a stumbling block for the person talking. You ever try to witness to someone, and they will ask you a question that is, it's an issue, but it's not the issue. You know, even today, uh, what do you think about abortion? And what do you think about homosexual? All those things, they're all issues, but what it does is it takes your conversation off of Christ and onto that issue. And you spend time arguing that issue, and you forget about talking about what Jesus does and what Jesus can do. And that was going to be the issue for Timothy. It was going to be all about how, com- how come he's not following the Jewish law. Paul's thoughts are this. Being a good Christian does not mean being a bad Jew. Rather, it meant being a fulfilled or completed Jew. Paul did not want to make this a point of contention with the people he was ministering to. If Tim was going to be an example of a godly Jew to whom he preached, he wanted them to see that, hey, I was a great Jew. I did all the things the Jewish law said to do. And even in spite of that, I trusted Christ because it wasn't obeying the law that got me saved. And that's exactly what was, Tim was going to do when he left. It wasn't going to be about his faith anymore, it was gonna, or his Jewish faith. It was going to be about how Christ transformed Timothy, who was a completed Jew who did all the things that Jewish people wanted to do, and the law said to do. He did all those things and still became a Christian. That was going to be his platform from which to minister. And so when we talk to people about Christ, we want to share with them how we used to live, what, however that was, good, bad, indifferent, but now look what God did for me at this point. You know, sometimes the hardest people to reach with the gospel are people who live a good life, right? They do everything right, they may even go to church, and they give to the poor, they, you know, they do good things, and they don't think they need Jesus because they live a good life. We don't want that to be a stumbling block. We want to be able to share with people, hey, look, I was just like you. I did all the good things. I I did all these things to good people, help people. But that is not what makes a Christian. What makes a Christian is having faith in Christ, not the things that we do. And Paul wanted to make sure that Timothy was able to preach from that stance, that it's not about the law. I did the law. I did all that. And it's not sufficient. We can have everything... Materially, we want. I did all that, I did the church thing, I did the work thing, I did the giving to the poor thing. I did all those things. It's not enough. What is sufficient is what Christ did for me. Now, what happened when Timothy obeyed? Acts sixteen four says, as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. I think that's all of our desires, right? We wanna be strengthened in the faith, correct? Anybody not wanna be strengthened in the faith? We wanna grow spiritually and numerically as a church. As we share and consider others above ourselves, if we don't wanna be a stumbling block to people, we wanna be able to minister to them where they are. As that happens, people's lives will be transformed. And in the process, so will ours. Now, the ladies went away on a retreat this weekend. How many of you ladies went? Raise your hands. Y'all had a good rip-roaring time? Before I close in prayer, I'm going to have a couple of folks share because your faith gets strengthened at these places. And I know Yvonne has already ponied up and she said she would share. Now as she's, go ahead and come on up. As she's coming to share, all of you other ladies who were at that conference be thinking about what you would like to impart to the folks that are here. Well she brought notes. Wow. <laughs> Red mic. There's the mic. that was interesting. Yeah, already Um, breaking the law.
1: Yeah. Um, Nine
0: people, seven-person van.
1: Good, there's some little people. But um, so I want to say, wow, just just wow. I mean, what an experience I had there. I've never been to anything like this before. I came expecting. I was not disappointed. Um, So many women, so many testimonies, so much healing rejuvenation Um, if you've not been I highly recommend it and I got to know some of my sisters in this church that I never get to talk to you know we come in we have a service we leave so I got to know them on a new level a better level and so after the conference we met pastor for lunch and um, we were sharing and the title of the conference was fearless so, Pastor says to us, So, which one of you ladies are going to stand up and tell about the conference? And immediately we're like, Nope, not me. I'm not doing it. Mm-mm. Fearless, and, um, it? fearless. Fearless. Right, right. So, on my drive home by myself, I started to reflect and I thought, Okay, so what did I take away from this? I mean, many things, but two things came to mind. Of course, fearless. And the second one was. Listening to God. Um, we come to church, we pray, we read our Bible, we worship, we praise, but do we listen when He talks to us? So on the way home, I'm listening and I'm thinking, okay, maybe I do want to get up and talk about this. And, and I go back to the one thing I was in church one Sunday and pastor was giving a, uh, was talking about God's calling. When He calls you, you should. You know she should listen to him um, and so after that service he asked to speak to me and he talked to me and he said we're wondering if you'd be interested in doing the Sunday School I heard nothing from that point on I mean his lips were moving and in my head I'm going does he know who he's talking to I've never done this I have never taught children, I did college, but I'd been away from the church for years and years and years and I didn't even know if I remembered half of the story. So in my mind I'm telling myself, just say no. Just say no, get it done and over with. So when I finished talking, I heard myself saying, can I think about this for a week? Can I pray about this? And my mind's going, I thought we agreed to say no. <laughs> so I went home, I prayed, it was ups and downs, one day yes, one day no. And so driving to church the following Sunday, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I think maybe I can do this. And this is where fearless came in. This is where it touched me. Because my thought on fearless was that means to not be afraid. But sometimes God calls us to do things that we're afraid to do. And doesn't mean not going into it with fear. It means that when he calls you, you can go into it having fear, but he will walk you through it fearlessly. And so I've been teaching the Sunday school for about a year now. It's been one of the greatest joys and privileges of my life. Never in a million years when I started coming here did I think I would be down there doing that. So I guess what I took away from it was, it's okay to be afraid, but sit and listen to what God is telling you. And he will not let you walk alone when you do it.
0: So, who else is fearless? <laughs> now, you have notes too?
2: Yeah, just made them. I too was one of those people who wasn't going to say a thing. But I've already had an answered miracle today, uh, answered prayer. Um, Karen and Sam both have been through quite a bit in the last year. And some of you know about it, some of you don't. At the um, conference, When they ask for prayer which is uh, one of my favorite parts is after you've been filled with the Holy Spirit and you've praised and worshiped and you've just you just feel so filled already and you decide to just open your heart up a little bit more and you go stand before everyone and a special person that God's placed there just for you ask you what your need is and you tell them what it is, and they, they have fasted, and they are all prayed up, and I take a breath, and I tell her what is going on in my life and in my daughter's life, and Sam's life, her boyfriend, because yes, Sam, I included you. I see you're not going nowhere so this can't just be for kira it's got to be for both of you god has his hand on both of you and i have seen long before this conference i have seen a vision of what god has for you too and your hearts have to be open to accept because God will fill it with his desire for your lives. Today, Marlene spoke two things that were said at the conference. Exactly, and one thing was that we are all ministers. We don't need to sit around and wait for God to tell you what your ministry is because you're already a minister. You're already one. Um, And that day, I felt the Holy Spirit, and I have felt it before. And as the prayer was continuing, and I'm raising my hands because, as you know, I'm a hand raiser. I found the right church for me because my hands are up, and I feel with all my heart that when my hands are up, I'm all but begging God, fill me. Let me fill you. I, oh, I'm getting them right now. I'm getting those Holy Spirit goosebumps that I get when I ask God to touch my life. And that day... My hands are raised and she is praying with me. And Michelle and Juliet, I don't know how they knew to come up and pray with me, but they did. And, you know, I guess it just intuitively knew it would be for you, for both of you. And I felt God's Spirit fill me so forcefully. I was slain in the Spirit. And if you've ever felt that in your life, that is an incredible, incredible experience. And you just surrender. And you know that God's going to do something. Well, today I took a chance and I sent Kira a text and, and invited her to come to church. I knew there would be a baptism and the baby dedication, and I wanted her to experience that. She'd been here before for it and um so i was so overwhelmed i don't know what time she got here but i was just so overwhelmed to actually see the two of them here when i had invited them i had even said something to pastor that if they come will you pray for them Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And yes. thank you Lord yeah and and I told her that a minute ago I said Kira I have seen a vision of your future and she wanted to know if it was going to be good this time and I told her it was beautiful you'll have a ministry God's going to fill your life and he's going to bring such rich blessings out of the life that you have. And you will use that beautiful gift that he's given you. And if you haven't heard that girl sing, <laughs> one day you will. One day you will. got to
0: talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> See, the nice thing about... Serving God, as you know, that God's always working. And it's not we just don't meet here like it's a rotary club or whatever. We meet here because the power of God is here. The Holy Spirit is here, and He is active in people's lives, doing things behind the scenes that we don't even realize that He's doing. We serve a real God who is active today. How many know that? When you pray, God is working. You may not see it right away. You didn't see it this morning. But you see the results sometime in the future. Don't give up praying. Don't give up trusting for what God is going to do. You know, we hear stories from the, from the Bible. We hear preachers talk about things. And that's great and that's true. But there's something to be said for testimonies of personal experience of what God is doing. That's why it's, the Bible says that He is able to overcome things in your life by the blood of the Lamb, which is Jesus, what Jesus did, and the word of your testimony, what God did personally for you. Not what I've said, not what the Bible says so much, but what is God, how does that Bible translate it into what he's doing for you? And the point is that God does translate what he does here in your life. This word is true, it's active, it's alive today. And it's changing people if we let it. Will you stand as we close this morning? Every head bowed, every eye closed if you would. You know, we came to church this morning expecting great things. We're excited about what God's doing in the young people and who, be, who are water baptized and some of us older folks who are water baptized. We thank you, God, for working in people's lives regardless of the age that you call us. And we're excited to see you bringing new life into this church in the form of babies. We thank you, Lord, for providing us excitement and joy with, with every new baby. But your word says you are most thankful And the angels rejoice when one person gives their life to you who gets saved, as we say, or trusts Jesus for your eternal future. If you're here this morning, whether you've done it before, whether you've been in this church all your life, or whether this is your very first time here, as we said earlier, this is not... An accident, not a coincidence. You're not here even because you chose to be here. You're here because God put it in your heart, arranged circumstances. You're here because God wanted you to be here. And you're here because God wants to get your attention. Through something that happened, something that was said, something that was sung or done this morning, God's using all of those things to make you see that He is real and that He is active. And he wants more than anything to have that relationship with you. If you're here and you've never really accepted Christ, you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to be cleansed, to become a new creation, and you desire that, I want you to raise your hand right now. Hallelujah. Maybe you're here this morning and as we said in our our lesson this morning maybe you've had a disagreement with someone and it's caused you to back away. It's caused you to not be active anymore. This is the time to become reactive. This is the time to realize the disagreement does not define who you are. The mistake you made does not define who you are. The difference is an opinion. God can use all of those things to bring it around to exactly where he wants you to be. A place where you will receive great blessing. As Yvonne said, she receives blessing from being used in ministry. As each of us can attest to. The Bible says that God's here to do that as well. To allow disagreements among his people. But also doing it in a way where God's work continues on. Reconciliation is made as with Paul and Mark. And that God can use those and turn those around for his glory. If that's you and you've experienced those things. Trust me when I say that God can change that in your life. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for all the things you're doing in our church, in our lives. We're thankful for the transformations that take place, and we are thankful, Jesus, for the miracles that you work. We thank you for your love for us. I pray for each person here that, God, you would fill them continually with your spirit. Allow each one of us to experience the power, the love, and the joy that only comes from knowing you on a daily basis. And allow us to see the miracles that you work in our lives every day. You're real and you're active, Lord. You do things today. You do things in response to prayer. Lives are changed because of what you do. We've all experienced it. And we all know and seen it in the past. So we trust you that you'll continue to do that in our lives. In the lives of the people we're praying for. In the lives of our family members. We are trusting you that you will do that transformation in them as we continue to lift them up to you. So, Father, I commit this church to you. I commit each one of us individually to you. Allow us to continue to do what you've called us to do and allow us to expect to see you responding by doing great and miraculous things. Pray your protection upon each person here today. And allow each one of us to experience you on a daily basis, we ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Praise the Lord this morning.